Zombie fucking babies. <laughs> Zombie babies. Zombie babies. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. And Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. I'm Frida. And this week's movie is The Girl with All the Gifts. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why did you say girl as if you were Scottish? The girl. The girl with all the gifts. <laughs> what just happened? I don't know. <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> well, I've just come straight from straight from sciencing, straight to podcasting. Hey. Put down the science, pick up the podcast, all within the same computer. So I actually just didn't move at all. <laughs> because um, of the time difference, I've come straight from sleeping to coffee to podcasting. There you go. Um, yeah, we've started... Well, yeah, we're a little bit, little bit earlier than we used to be. So I am less tired than... Usual, you are more drowsy yeah. than usual. <laughs> Which I think is actually good. That's a really good thing. <laughs> we, I need to be... Why? Because our temperament? Because I, I, I think I get way too hyped up sometimes. And I'm like... <laughs> sometimes I listen back or when I'm editing and I'm just like... Just to hear myself and I'm like, just tone it down a little bit. Like, it's too late. <laughs> As, when I'm in a good mood, I'm in a monotone. Yeah. So when I'm tired, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so, and it's really clear. So we needed to to change the times. Here we are a little bit earlier. Great. So you're in the cupboard. I'm in the cupboard. (laughs) We're all in the cupboard. How's it going over there in London? Yeah, it's good. It's, um, it is what it is. It's, it is what it is. Um, (laughs) I don't really know what to say. Nothing is. Uh, we went up to Oxford for the day yesterday. That was quite nice. A little stroll oh, around, awesome. took some photographs. It was actually a really nice day. It was like, oh, hello. Hello, sunshine. So. It's beautiful here as well. Oh, really? It's like stunning weather. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's beautiful weather. Do you know what I think is a really good outcome of all of this pandemic? <laughs> oh, God. Tread carefully. Not the word, not the word webinar. <laughs> no, that. I will say that nobody just answers that they're fine for the sake of it. We've yes. just given up doing that shit. When someone says, how are you? People just say the answer. Never before in the history. <laughs> Usually you just go, oh, yeah, I'm good. But now no, everyone's like, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> not great. Yeah. And we just share our negative feelings about life together. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's great. We're not pretending anymore that we're great. We're not great. <laughs> None of us are fine. None, None of, of us, us are, are fine. fine. We're not fine. <laughs> Melbourne has just been put back another month in like harsh. Oh, have you? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like really, and and people are getting really angry. Mm. These polite Australians are finally starting to yeah. stir. <laughs> I'm super. <laughs> so you know it's bad. Like, London's really open now again. I think people went back to school today and everything. And it's like, oh, cool. yeah, I mean, we've said it before that we record this a couple of weeks in advance. So um, if anyone's mm-hmm. confused. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really scared that they are just going to go, uh-oh, let's go back to lockdown. And we're all like, oh, man. It ha- 
Come on. It hasn't happened everywhere. It happened. Here. Do you know? Do you know what happened in Victoria? Mm. Do you know the story of the leak? No. So the it was based, it, and it can be a lot of this can be traced back to the hotels that were being used in quarantine overseas. Um, people that were returning from overseas mm. were being um, guarded by like for higher security guards as opposed to, I don't know, military or police or something like that. And it turns out <laughs> that one of the security guards may or may not have been engaged in a trist with one of the people that he was supposed to be guarding. I'm talking about sex. Oh, yeah. So he had sex <laughs> with figured. one of the people in the hotel. Oh, <laughs> And and also the hotel, like the security guards were sort of sharing cigarette lighters and carpooling and everything like that, and uh, that's kind of where it all began again for us. So, well, oh that's shameful for the whole state of Victoria. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> fucking Aussies. I know it's shockers. <laughs> Do you know what I was just thinking about actually? Because thinking about talking about stuff in advance, um, I was just gonna I'm gonna mention something. I'm going to mention something and you can get rid of it if you want. It's totally fine. But I just realized mm-hmm. that we have never talked. We, we've we talked about like, oh, we're doing science. And I've alluded to, we've talked about the fact that we met in Australia. And I've alluded to mm-hmm. finishing a PhD. <laughs> but maybe I should actually <laughs> just say, because it's been, um, I've, I've had a slightly different road. And just for listeners out there. We met in Australia because I was doing a PhD in Australia and Frida was postdoc in my group. And I, for many, many reasons, decided to leave the PhD. And I left back at the beginning of pandemic, moved back to London the first week of lockdown, which was complete madness, and have been back in the UK for six months. Um, Not entirely sure what was going to be the next stages and stuff like that. But I would like to confirm that I am now restarting a new PhD and the week that this episode comes out will be my first week in doing my new PhD. So I am doing one. I am a scientist. I'm a real scientist. I'm going to put music in there. Fireworks. Yay. Yay! And it is in physics, so I am a physicist. I just, I just want to clarify this <laughs> before we continue. So, so that is my actual news of this thing. week in terms of my. It's huge yeah. news. We're very, I wonder very how excited. I'll be feeling this week when this episode comes out in reality. We're like, very proud. We're very looking proud. at looking at um, the department um, again, just kind of going like, "Oh wait, what? Science?" <laughs> How do you science again, Frida? I... Tell me how to science. <laughs> Don't worry. You'll never forget. It's in your bones. <laughs> okay, I have I have something as well, another little mm. bit. My son, Raf, he's seven. He's, he's, in, he's been out, out of school since, you know what, March? Yeah. At home, bouncing a ball all day. Bounce, 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 bounce. Bouncing a ball. But he wrote a poem about spring. You ready? Go. Okay. It's an acrostic poem. So every line of the poem starts with S-P-R-I-N-G. Spring, right? Ready? Spring is sunny, sunny and light. Plumage grows on beautiful trees. Roses grow, 
violets grow, and more beautiful things grow and grow. Insects scuttle, plants grow, fancy plants grow, grow, grow. Nourishment is there for every human and animal. Green grapes bloom and other fruit. Hey! <laughs> Way to go, Raph! I know. <laughs> and I just think that leads us straight into the movie. Hey! Very nice. Stuff that grows, 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 grows is definitely a theme yes. of the movie. This week's film. This is true. Which is... Bum, ba, da, dum, bum, bum, Colin McCarthy's The Girl with All the Gifts. You're doing it again. The Girl. The girl. I can't act. I can't the do girl. it. The <laughs> That's from the Chronicles of Narnia in the first book. And he calls her The Girl. The Girl. Um, I just like it. Um, all right. My movie choice. I'm giving the summary. We're ready? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I'm ready. Please... Please do, please do refresh our minds. It's science zombies, science zombies. Wow. Melanie, Melanie, played by Senya Nanua, is a zombie girl living with other zombie children in a heavily guarded facility. When they are not isolated in their little cells, they sit in classrooms strapped to wheelchairs and listen as their teacher, Miss Justino, reads them stories about, for example... Pandora, so that we, the audience, know the themes of the movie. They were infected in utero, becoming a human-zombie hybrid called Neonites. They ate their way out of their mothers. Yep. And scientist Dr. Caldwell, Glenn Close, thinks that they hold the key to human immunity to the fungal infection that caused the zombie apocalypse. I mean, by dissecting them. Melanie appears as an exceptionally smart and empathetic girl. Caldwell runs psychological tests on Melanie to ascertain whether she is human or a human body controlled by the fungus with the ability to mimic human behavior. Dr. Caldwell poses Schrodinger's cats to Melanie so that the audience understands that this is also a theme for the movie. <laughs> as Dr. Caldwell gets ready to dissect Melanie, the base is overrun by hungries and they are forced to flee the base justino caldwell melanie and a couple of privates led by sergeant parks they flee into the city looking for salvation and we see the extent of the devastation slowly the members of the group warm to melanie and melanie to them but by and by we are led to wonder which is the side of good which is the side of evil or perhaps that the forces of nature have simply decided that the age of humans is at an end. <laughs> oh, stop. That well. sound. <laughs> oh. Fun. That sound... Well, the, the sound that the zombies make in this, excuse me, excuse me, hungries, make in this movie is they took it from a sound that a cat makes. Oh. When they're sort of looking at stuff, looking out a window, looking at stuff, getting all hunty. Oh. They make these clicking sounds. So, um, great I movie. I don't know that. About kitty cats. Now you do. Did you like the movie? I did. I have weird feelings about it. I don't oh. know why. 
that's all right. I mean, it is accidentally. We've sort of accidentally done two pandemic yes. movies, two apocalypse movies, and then three apocalypse movies because Sunshine is an apocalypse, mm. then 12 Monkeys, Apocalypse Pandemic, and then this is Apocalypse Pandemic. We've sort of done these kind of doubles where we do like sun space movies followed by space movies, alien movies followed by alien movies. Um, so pandemic film... This will be the last for a while, would yeah. you say? Because yeah. <laughs> in doing the research for this one, actually, I was kept, oh, I was kept awake at night oh. <laughs> with with just like, ah. um, so I can understand the weird feelings. Yeah. And I just want to say one other thing, which was that this is my mum's recommendation. Yes, yes, this so, is yeah, this is the first movie yes. we've done that's been recommended. That's been a recommendation. Yeah great amount of science in this movie they tried to science zombies and the research was very very fun so good good recommendation as far as this podcast goes in terms of science content so thanks mum um but well about the movie so tell me about your weird feelings well, that's my you, weird feeling it's so from? funny that we have a different opinion on it because for me I felt like the science was kind of there then it was gone and it was a zombie movie mm. and I was kind of I think my problem was I think I think I went into it with too much expectation so I didn't experience it as mm. it was in terms of it just being a yeah. good take on a zombie movie. Good take with, on the Yeah, genre. exactly. And in terms of that I definitely enjoyed it as a movie, but I think I especially with the build there's two things that I think I failed with in the build up. Okay. I was waiting for the actual synthesis. I thought that there was going to be a whole thing in the lab. I thought there was going to be a whole stuff about exactly what it was, how it was going to be, like, how the kids were the cure for it, how it was going to be synthesized. Mm -hmm. I was waiting for the explanation. And then we got into the lab scene and it was just done. Because it was like, as soon as they were in the room, the base was overrun Mm -hmm. and it was over. And from then on, yeah, there, was, much there was kind of an explanation of what the fungus was. But I was like, that yeah. there wasn't anything else that happened. So I think I was sat there waiting for to take all my science notes and I was missing the movie. And then the other thing mm. that I think I failed on, and it's too late to recommend this to anybody else, but do not watch the trailer. Because the entire beginning of the movie has got such a wonderful, amazing build up where you don't really know what's going on. But if you watch mm-hmm. the trailer, you know what's going on. But I think if you don't see the trailer and you just see that, fir- you know mm-hmm. those first scenes where you don't understand why the kids are strapped up and why these soldiers are behaving the way they do, why they refer to them in the way that they do. Like, because yeah. I knew what I it mean, was, I, I knew. knew. I knew. I, I, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm just saying it more as a kind of a recommendation. Like if I was recommending this movie to people, Not I would no. just say... I would be really interested to see how you feel about it if you don't watch, watch the trailer. Because I think those opening yeah. scenes would be amazing without knowing exactly what's going on with mm-hmm. the kids. They should have done a teaser of the movie that just was like teased, like why they there and did not show anything else. Yeah. Like just way more teasy they could have, and, and not known anything about it. They could it. have shown all of the scenes with all of the like adult zombies. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They didn't have to show anything yeah. with Melanie with blood and they didn't have to show anything with the kid in the chair reacting to the soldier. Mm. So zombie movies, I I just want to say I love zom- zombies. Okay. Zombies is one of my favourite 
kinds of movies. It's definitely my favorite kind of apocalypse. I really love it, although although I have issues with fast zombies yes. as this was. Classic. But the thing about zombie movies is that when zombie movies are good, I feel like they really go overboard with the deaths and the killing mm. and the zombies. And this didn't this didn't camp it no. up with the zombie deaths. It didn't. It was not gratuitous at all. But I I actually think that zombie movies can afford to be gratuitous because people are really there for that. So this this definitely was tried to give a scientific explanation of zombies and we'll, we'll get way into that later on. Um, it tried to bring up some uh, big issues about um, experimenting on children, I suppose, and, and about the age of humans and forces of nature and mm. all these sorts of things. But it didn't go all out. It was very, uh, it was very uh, simple zombie movie which is i think there's a few of those movies out which are kind of lower budget zombie films because you don't need a whole heap of money to do zombie zombie movies just super low budget um it was like four million pounds it costs to make um super simple but it definitely wasn't um it wasn't yeah it wasn't gratuitous it didn't camp it up um yeah should we talk about the cast I mean, it's a very about British because... movie in general anyway. Wait, before you get into yeah, the cast, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, why is it that question. zombie movies are your favourite? What What is it about this genre that you really go in for? Because it's just the perfect analogy to dread. <laughs> to And and that's why I, ha- I have an issue with fast zombies. And fast zombies are good. I mean, this is post zombie apocalypse so we don't see the zombie apocalypse but i think fast zombies it just happens it's just too fast Mm. so you don't have the dread that with slow zombies the thing about zombies is that you can easily outrun them you know it's not a horde not so much but you can easily outrun a zombie so what the what the genre does is it allows the humans to sort of gather together and become terrified okay and not be able to go outside and then what ends up happening in a lot of zombie, good zombie films is that it's the humans and their paranoia and their dread, which sort of tears them apart and destroys them in the yeah. end. So it's it's just, just an analogy for a very slow moving dread. And I think it's, it's, very, it's very human. It's a very understood thing, I think, across like all people understand what it means to just have a, a something slowly closing in on you or a dread oh, okay. or a fear I didn't of something. Okay, think about it in that so, way. Yeah. And, and I just love the campness yeah. of zombies as well. I just love the ridiculousness yeah. of it. It's so silly. It's so over the top. It's so fun often as yeah. well. Um, so I, I just I just love it. So the f- fast zombies for me, it's like not so sure about it, but um, I just I just think it's so silly. And you know, in this movie as well, they have um, I think the 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 like writer of the movie is like an extra oh, zombie. And also Glenn, Glenn Close's sister-in-law happens to be a zombie nutter. Oh. And she's so obsessed with zombies and she became, she got to be a zombie standing oh, there great. too. Like, it's just fun. And I think a lot of people see the, the fun, the fun yeah. nature of zombie movies. But I love, I love it. I watch anything with zombies. Anything. All of it. And also zombie theory. There's a lot of zombie theory, okay. which we can get into, <laughs> we get into later. Um, it's just, it's a great genre, I think. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have a best... Do you have a best part of the movie? Before we talk about cast, um, best bit? The thing that comes to mind is the scene when they're in London and they're walking through all of the zombies and there's the one with the pram yeah. comes along 
out of nowhere and you're oh, like what is going shit. on and just that moment <laughs> where um i think they did that really nicely like where glenn close like goes uh, uh, dr caldwell like puts her foot out and stops it and it's just yeah that brief moment where you just kind of have a like oh shit <laughs> really are you really doing this have you seen the environment you're in right now are you really going there <laughs> she just needs to so see. it was good she that needs- was a good kind of suspensey moment that yeah i was i was into that uh, yeah it she um that the the whole walking quietly through zombies that's definitely a great mm. a, a great I wanna say trope of the genre, but it's always it's always a good a, a good part of good zombie movies is having to quietly and silently walk through zombies. Yeah. Covering yourself in whatever yeah. it is <laughs> that wards <laughs> off zombies. Um but speaking of Dr. Colwell, we can talk about the cast. Um, Glenn Close as we have Wait, Glenn do you Close not have a best as, bit? as a scientist. Oh, what was my yeah. best bit? Oh, my best bit. My best bet is definitely Melanie fighting off feral oh, children. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll move on yeah. really quickly because I know that sounds. Um, I know what that means. Okay. All right. Cast. Melanie. Speaking of Melanie, she's fucking awesome. I don't know. She was, they interviewed 500 wow. kids auditioned interviewed she was the last kid that walked through the door really the last kid that walked through the door which is i mean i'm sure there's some psychology behind that as well you know the last girl but she walked in the door she was the very very last one she's so amazing she's amazing yeah so where'd they find this is another place where i have really weird feelings but i think it's a good thing okay because okay I agree with you. I think she was really good, but I just really disliked her. But, I got weird feelings. I got weird but I didn't, feelings. But I didn't I'm dislike her in terms of I'm saying feelings. I disliked the actor. What I mean is like she played okay. that role really well. She had that kind of, like she was mm-hmm. perfectly that know-it-all kid where you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, could you just shut up sometimes? But also, like, really? she was, yeah, she's like, like, highly inquisitive, you know, always knew the answer, always a hands up, always, you know, she's just that kind of normal, normal, like, smart know-it-all kid who hasn't kind of figured out how you interact socially really just yet, but she's trying to learn. Okay. But yeah. she was so creepy. To me, she was, she was so creepy, creepy the whole way through because there was never a moment where they made her be extremely likable or to be really disliked do you know she she played that kind of I felt that idea that is it her or is she mimicking no yeah, yeah we don't you know. got that because she was playing that kind of know-it-all character it kind it came across as she could just be mimicking the whole way through so yeah. I did I just I felt like it was a really good balance because I wasn't rooting for her and I wasn't massively against her so it allowed me to kind of go through what was going on without any expectation yeah. and get to the end and have it be kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. She she grew on me throughout the movie. There's an amazing bit of the movie where the other private, the one who's not the main cast member, <laughs> so he's dispensable. <laughs> How do they always Kieran, know to not kill off main cast members? 
Um, but he he walks out and she kind of follows him in a sense. Mm. She's going to get something to eat. She says, I'm hungry. And they played as if she's stalking him, like she's yes. waited for him to go. They played out very clever and I, I totally believed it. And then that you see her eating uh, some bird of, bird mm. of prey um, instead up there, which is, is kind of good. I also like that when she eats and she kind of falls like into this yes. drunken, it's almost like heroin. <laughs> She eats and then just falls, falls asleep. Or yeah, no, it's just like drugs, yeah. like drugs, like a, I don't know how else to describe it, but um, it's like that the fungus has been fed or whatever it is. That's uh, good, good little bits and pieces. Who else is in the cast? We have Glenn Close. How did they get her? She's she's plays uh, Doctor Caldwell, and Gemma Ayerton is Miss I... Just to Know, Miss Just to Know. She's lovely. Yeah. And then my favorite actor was actually Patty Considine. Oh, yeah. As Sergeant Parks. I love that guy because he, he was, was so very, like. He had, a, he had a very clear straight up redemption arc and I was down for it. <laughs> he was just nice. Like he was scared of her. Yeah. I love that when she's They're like, you're scared of a child. And he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I ain't stupid. I, know, like, I mean, no, he was a complete ass at the start. Him. Yeah, seemed then, to be. Well, he was like, they're monsters. What are you doing, you fuck? Yeah, but like, I mean, I think, there was that moment you know, as well where he left her locked up in the chair. Oh, that was very, very yeah, mean. Yeah, so it was like... But also, he was like, you're a shit. Yeah. I know you're a shit and you know you're a shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's not necessarily unwarranted yeah. because we didn't trust her. She was way too creepy. Yeah. She was so unnatural as well. Yeah. But yeah. No, I, I really liked it. And that was one of my favorite scenes, actually, his death at the end with her. I oh, thought yeah. that was actually yeah, was really beautifully good. done because she was very, she was very matter of fact, but she still had some level of emotion for recognition that like, I'm sorry. And, and I, and I thought it was quite sweet that yeah. she was like, no, you're supposed to be in the thing with Miss Justin. I like you're you. like, you're not yeah. supposed to be out here. Um, I didn't do this she... against you. It's. It's not a personal thing kind of thing. and she, she is really half half because her fungus side has been like, we just have to light this shit on fire mm. and let the fungus spread. And that's my fungus doing the job. But I've clearly developed emotions towards these two humans. Yeah. Yes, the age of humans and, and the fungus is now going to rule the earth or whatever. But I like you guys. It's yeah. like evidence of the fact that she did warm to them. She did like them. And she, that was that conflict with the, her general feeling about humans in general, mm. but maybe not Dr. Caldwell because that particular human maybe, you know, she had different feelings for, but there's, she mm. was somewhere in between, definitely, yeah. which which I guess is made clear by, by that. But um, the end of the movie where she basically has Gemma Ayrton, right. Miss mm. Just to Know, Miss Just to Know, is the sole survivor of the entire human race living in a airlocked oh, um army laboratory being forced to teach feral children how to talk i'm just you know like, like keeping her in a cage i have to admit the, oh no sorry go on because I, I think no, you're about to say something keeping I, her in a, uh, i don't know i was just uh, well, what i was gonna say that, that keeping her locked up as like a little pet because mm. i like you that, that, yeah that's the total like there's a level of empathy there but it's a psychopathic. Yes. But then again, she's been raised in a cell. Well, this by is people the thing. Who think she's a monster. I never kind of. She's a psychopath. Yeah, I never. I like she's she's 
it's what well, I was just, just going to say that she likes her the way I like fish. I like fish so much that I kill them and eat them. You know. Yeah. So she's like, I like her. So you're going to stay here for me. Maybe she's just been raised awfully. Yeah. Maybe she's half fungus. I don't know. Who knows? I just I never thought about it, but the kind of contrast between that, like Melanie has grown up in a cell, and at the end, um, Miss Justino is in the cell. But I kind of struggled a little bit with the Miss Justino character because, firstly, Gemma Arterton is one of my favorite. I absolutely adore her as really? an actress. I think she's wonderful. Um, I just I just like her. I like interviews with her. I I think she's great. There's a great um, Graham Norton interview with Gemma Arterton where he he asks her because of the way she speaks. Like in the movie, she kind of very much speaks with her own accent, and he asks her mm-hmm. something. I think there's something about. Um, that she was doing some sort of a an audition or something and they were like, um, can you like can you do a sort of a more posh British accent? I can't remember the words exactly. It was something along those lines and her response was just like, I went to the Royal Academy of the fucking arts, darling. I just love her for it. I just, there's just something about the way she says <laughs> She's it. She's fancy? Like, <laughs> Is she fancy? Is that a fancy accent? Um, no, she's or not. not no, she's not, not fancy. fancy. She's way more um, chill, normal. I she's guess that's such a weird she's way to chill. say that kind of shit. I should shut up. Um, anyway, yeah. I bring up Gemma Martin because um, the Miss Justino character, the only reason I struggled with it was I really liked her character. I really appreciated the struggle she was going through, but I felt like they, I felt like we were missing the start of that. Do you know what I mean? Like her empathy is so strong, mm-hmm. but her empathy is so strong specifically for Melanie. Not just for all the kids. Like, she has a really specific... Yeah, yeah. She wants to save Melanie. And she's not as worried about the rest of the kids. And I just felt like, are we missing, like, a a little connector at the beginning where they've developed some sort of a personal relationship above the other kids? Yeah, I think Mel... Yeah, I definitely think Melanie's supposed to be extra, extra intelligent, extra on the ball. She definitely puts her hand up more than the other kids. Mm. Um, and also she's it's sort of like uh, she's being questioned by Dr. Caldwell Dr. Caldwell asks her to pick a number between 1 and 20 not anybody else and she basically picks the kid that goes off to be dissected she says 13 the next day cell 13 is missing do you think that's got something sorry go on yeah well which just tells me that she's being treated somewhat differently like she's extra smart they're watching her extra closely that she sort of seems to be exceptional She is. What was your question? Oh, it doesn't actually matter. I was going to say, do you think that um, that Caldwell does that, that it, it shows some sort of a... Um, but we can come back to that when we talk about her later, actually. All right. Anyway, I've been mean, talking of, speaking of Dr. Caldwell, I miss just to know, miss just to know <laughs> that they obviously bring up a couple of they love analogies in this movie <clears throat> so first we we hear about pandora's box pandora pandora was a girl is obviously the girl with all the gifts um with her box and all the horrors of the world are in the box and if that's released then that's where all the horrible things in the world come from so that's the story that they she chooses to tell the kids um and so we're we're obviously living with the tension that there's a pandora's box 
here somewhere or Melanie is Pandora and she's got the box of horrors and then of course at the end of the movie she opens the box as it were um, to release the infection onto the world in a devastating way the other thing that they bring up is and they probably should have stuck to one or the other Mm. too many box too many box analogies is Schrodinger's cat is the cat alive is the cat dead is Melanie alive is Melanie dead I guess these are themes, I guess you would say, of the mm-hmm. movie. Did you pick up on what you thought might have been a theme of the movie, apart from what was shoved in our throats? Not particularly. I definitely feel like there's, um, for me, there was something uh, to do with evolution that I think is interesting to talk about, but um, we can talk about that mm. a little bit later when we're talking about more about the science stuff. But yeah, I do think like you're right about the, we were quite force fed or box ideas. Yeah, box, box analogies. The bo- <laughs> they went for both of the box analogies, the box mm. themes, Pandora and then Schrodinger's cat. And they're like, and, and I guess another thing with the movie is that we're talking about human and our place on the earth mm. and the fact that the earth is got a whole lot going on and we might be a blip. And we came and we're going to go and nature's just fine without us. And maybe some events have to take place to push that along. And that's something which is possibly being explored in the movie. Are we the good ones? Do we deserve to survive? And and I think that's extremely relevant to today where we, we are kind of in a sense, well, maybe it's nature that's the thing that needs to be suppressed, mm. right? Um, and maybe we have to change nature, but maybe nature actually doesn't, need us at all and it's us that needs to be suppressed and sometimes I think that that point of view sometimes I think that that that's that perspective is really important to understand what our place is on the earth and the fact that nature's fine it's just maybe our place in nature is temporary to a degree and I think this movie definitely slams that into the wall slams that into our faces uh, make slams it and I'll Pandora's box. Um, anyway, and I think I think that movie definitely goes for it with that kind of theme. Um, what do you reckon? What do you think about that? It's relevance to today. Um, did you did you did you pick up on those themes? Uh, yeah, I didn't. Sorry, I I wasn't thinking about nature in terms of its relevance to us today. I was thinking about it in terms of its relevance to pandemic and how we react to it. In terms mm. of like, I'm not sure if this is the correct place to talk about this, um, but I was thinking about kind of what it made me think about a lot was in the movie we're talking about this this pathogen and it's taking over and it's um, the the con the concept is should humanity survive should the pathogen pathogen survive. And I just found it interesting Mm -hmm. about how it was like, oh, well, we need the scientific exploration to determine if we can get a vaccine to see if we can if we can fix it. And we take that for granted in our daily lives right now, especially as what we're going through right now with COVID-19. We make the assumption that science is going to fix it. And if you really think about history and if you think about like back in the time, like everyone kind of is relating a lot of what's going on now to like the Spanish flu in the early 20th century and one of the things with that was a lot of people died but uh, it makes me wonder 
if they lived in the society, if we had the medical understanding that they had then, but we lived in the society now, would we have survived? Because there would have been a lot less travel. There was a lot lot less contact between different regions and different people. Whereas now one of the reasons why COVID spread so quickly is because we travel so much. Yeah, we're constantly in contact with each other. And I wonder if the reason why it hasn't had a more devastating effect, which, I mean, it has had a very devastating effect, is because we have a medical understanding. But I just feel that, like, taking it kind of for granted that medicine will create the vaccine and we'll be okay. And I just feel like we've had a moment in our lives now where we could have ended up in a, I don't know if dystopian is the right word, but in an, oh no, it's like an apocalyptic future. Do you know those Mm. scenes of London where it's like everything is like, you know, the trees are growing through the cities and there's things abandoned and stuff. And it it really feels like that. Like everyone abandoned their desks, everyone like the offices, buildings, nobody was in there. And if we had not been able to isolate ourselves, follow these procedures and protocols and hospitals be able to take care of everything, I wonder if we had been so overrun you know, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's it's a disease. It's a it's a bacteria. It's an infection. It's a whatever the correct term for it is. I don't actually know, which sounds terrible, but yeah. it's a very similar thing that's happening. And it's just about how quickly one can overrun versus another. And I just I just yeah. found that really interesting when I was watching it because I was like, we could so easily have that future, obviously, without, you know, all the biting and the hungry and the eating we could. of each other. But, oh, yeah. well, I mean, we don't know. Run out of food, people get crazy. We We've all seen Arrival. No, not Arrival. Alive. That's the one, sorry. <laughs> Alive. Did, did, um, I have two two things to say to that. Firstly, did you know in this movie that those aerial shots of the overrun cities, I'm sure you read this, but it's from Pripyat in Ch- Chernobyl, oh, near Chernobyl. Oh, cool. That, that, that's where they took those shots from. The, that is the the town, Pripyat, that was evacuated after the Chernobyl wow. disaster has just been left, has become like a forest town. And they, they wanted to photograph a place which looked like maybe 10 years later. I mean, this is much more than 10 years, obviously, but um, what it would look like if a city was just left um, by humans Amazing. and it just sort of grows into a forest so those those are real real aerial shots except that they kind of use cgi to put like a mercedes-benz factory <laughs> sign did you see that there's a point with the shot and you see it's like mercedes-benz I, I was thoroughly confused by that and then there was one little shop that said like Pret-a-Manger. this makes more sense I because was i was staring at those aerial shots and i was trying to i was like i live in london and why can't i figure out where they are it's <laughs> Because it's Chernobyl, <laughs> That's obviously. And other thing, I was actually walking down the street today, going on my little allowed walk that I'm allowed. And I was walking by all the shops that I live near, the, all these like clothing stores. And they're all empty, empty, yeah. empty, empty. And I'm walking by and I'm like, wow, this is kind of dystopian. But it's like this mini dystopia where like high-end yeah. fashion shops <laughs> close down. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is rough. And then I thought, yeah, is, it? is it really? You know, like, would the worst thing be if, like, these extremely high-end, because I live near a strip of shops that are, like, there's some pretty fancy stores, 
if those stores like is that our mini pan is that yeah. our mini dystopia that we're experiencing now is that like unnecessary purchases stop happening <laughs> like i it's it's more i guess what we're living through is a more realistic yeah um a more realistic pandemic which is a little bit more gentle a very slow like mm. not a, not much of a death rate and we'll survive it and we'll get past yeah. it you know i know i hate but these movies like i hate bringing the th- these movies want to yeah no, no, you guys. I, just, I yeah. hate bringing the conversation uh-huh. so much into COVID because we've really tried not to do that. But I just kind of felt like yeah. it's the parallels and the fact that it just made me think that way. It made me really think like that we we do need to take these situations seriously because as much as this is a zombie yeah. movie, like yeah. the the well, that's one of the things, isn't it? One of the things that could wipe out the human race is a pandemic. That's not a joke. That's a real oh, thing. So the most likely. Yeah. The most likely way. And I think um, movies, what they have to do is they have to take something and push it to the extreme yeah. so that we can start to consider what that would be like. And that's what this movie is mm. doing. So it, it wants to take the idea of human survival and dystopia and viruses, push it to the absolute extreme and see what exists in the margins. Yeah. And that's what this movie does. That's, that's what the movie's trying to do. So those are themes explored in the movie. But... <laughs> What I want to know is, what is your trope of the week? Welcome to the first section, trope of the week. Abby, any tropes? Might be time for my to bring in that uh, cat sound. (laughs) (laughs) My trope is, oh, I just, I, do you know what? I don't even know how to formulate it properly. I just wrote down Schrodinger's cat. Because it's just this thing that happens. It's like, oh, we're doing science. Let's talk about Schrodinger's cat. Because Schrodinger's cat. Every science show ever has always had to have a moment where they've got to bring in Schrodinger's cat because that's a thing. Everyone's like it's a great thought so experiment. I totally get it. Cat. Fine, but like I was just like, oh, I I actually rolled my eyes, and I didn't want to, and I didn't mean yeah. to. It was out of. It was a genuine reaction. I was what I was like happily watching along, happily enjoying the exchange, and then Melanie, <laughs> have you heard of Schrodinger's cat? And I just went ugh. I took out my notebook. Do, <laughs> was like, do you know any other box themed themes that they could have brought into the situation? Oh, I don't know. Do you? Oh, we should have a list. Pandora, Schrodinger. But like those two things are incredibly tropey. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, what's other box theme metaphors? Yeah, yeah. We need, two metaphors we need together. List. I know, and both. It was just like very clumsily delivered. Very. Clumsy. I think it's just very yeah. Clumsy. The reason it bugs me is because it's always done in such a way where it's used. It's always used to try to yeah explain a situation, describe a idea, find whatever. But what I always find with it is oh here's the moment where we're waiting for the person that it's being presented to to give us a unique answer. And I just mm. feel like there isn't really a unique answer to this question. Is the cat alive or dead? What was like, she trying just, to do? Like, what was she trying to do other than to tell, other than to wink to the audience yeah. about Melanie? <laughs> it was just a wink to the audience. Like, you know, so it was like. I mean, I guess you could take it that, that she was trying to assess ask. Melanie's own self-awareness, maybe. But Maybe. like, yeah, it, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I rolled at it. I was just like, oh, here we go again. Fair enough. Kitty cat. Fair enough. Good one. What's yours? All so right. yeah, what What's was your my trope? trope? Okay. My trope is the how in zombie movies, no one ever says zombie. Yeah. No one knows what a zombie is in zombie <laughs> movies. They just use, I, I, I found this comic. 
on tvtroves.org. The comic has a bunch of people who said, thanks for letting me in. There are zombies everywhere out there. What? <laughs> the things that are trying to eat us. Oh, you mean the infected? The biters? The ambulant deceased? No. Zombies. <laughs> like Dawn of the Dead? Zombies? Is she delirious? <laughs> Someone's like, I think she's speaking Canadian. Oh my God, that's amazing. Zombies, you know? <laughs> Haven't you seen Dawn of the Dead? It's zombies. It's so true. It's like every movie where they do it. Like, yeah, have you never seen a zombie movie no one's before? I've never heard of zombies. <laughs> <laughs> it is a rule that nobody is. And, and I was like reading into why, why that is. And it's for realism because in, like, in the universe where you watch zombie movies zombies aren't real so when it happens in real life they are real so you can't call them zombies because then they're not a real thing so if let's just say Glenn Close's character watched zombie movies all her life she knows that that's fake and so in her movie land it's real and therefore she can't say zombie whatever <laughs> but in but in in Shaun of the dead he also has a thing where, where they're like there's zombies out there and he's like don't say that why why can't i say that just don't say that it it creeps me out <laughs> just sh- you're not allowed to you're not allowed to say it in a movie the whole way we've been talking <laughs> through all i've been thinking in my mind is Shaun of the dead that's the only thing Shaun <laughs> i just of the keep de- picturing it in my head and <laughs> keep just going how can we make it that we can do Shaun of the dead <laughs> I did it. Bam, bam. Yeah. All right. Good tropes. Good tropes. Okie dokie. All right. Let's get into some science. Science? Science zombies. All right. Well, well, there's a few There's a few things here. I think there's, firstly, there's a bunch of scientists. There's the main scientist, Dr. Caldwell, and she has a science person who gets killed off rather quick, snip, snip. And then there are a couple of environments of science here as well. We've got the uh, military facility, it seems, that they spend a quarter of the film around. That's the underground facility where everyone's being experimented on and the experiments that are happening. And then we leave that environment and go on the road where they encounter our uh mobile laboratory but I think the science is sort of happening the whole time we have Dr Caldwell who's constantly uh, studying things around her and being inquisitive so I think well where do you want to start do you want to start with the let's start with our different environments I think okay what do you reckon all right let's start let let's begin with the military facility, this underground military facility where basically a lot of humans have died because of a virus, and here we are at this underground facility where scientific research is taking place. You yeah. right? It's all very sciencey. We have um, a bunch of scientists in the lab, and a bunch of I guess children are being dragged off one at a time to be dissected because who cares? It's the future. So, I don't know. What what do you reckon about? And you want to say anything about the military facility? Well, I did uh, yeah, I kind of I didn't I didn't view it as a science facility at the beginning because I was like, oh, it's a school. They're being mm. kept um and they're being they're you know, they're still being taught. They're still being treated as children, but um like, yeah, I don't know. I find that a little bit confusing. I was like, oh, I wonder if they have such hatred towards them, then why are they teaching them? But I guess they were maybe assessing yeah. their abilities and their and their understanding. So maybe that teaching environment was a bit more of a 
psychological kind of test of yeah. what they were doing and stuff. Cause that, and then, yeah. Yeah. Because I was wondering why they gave them names as well. That's a, that's a, that's the question I had. Mm. And then I thought, I guess if they are hybrids, then they're immune some somehow. Yeah. They're immune somehow to the the impacts of the infection. So then they're kind of studying how far that goes. Yeah. I guess how human they are. I suppose. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I suppose it was that that thing, wasn't it? When um, at the beginning, Doctor Caldwell was saying that the that they're mimicking, that they're not themselves that it's the pathogen mm. is mimicking through them so i guess they're trying to assess whether how real that is is it a pathogen yeah, or is it trying to figure know, out are they exactly. existing as hybrids or are they existing as are they just a vessel kind of question i guess yeah uh, totally i think that the school is really it's it's ostensibly a school but really it's there as a, uh, they're trying to figure out what they have on their hands i guess what yeah. are they yeah, no, that yeah, makes and sense. Is it immunity? Yeah. That makes sense. And I couldn't I was sort of couldn't figure out is is Dr. Caldwell trying to figure out if they're human or not so she can like figure out whether she should be dissecting them. I think that's a li- that's a little bit part of it, but but is she trying to figure out if they're human or not because if they're human alive then they are really are the key. They're very mm. important. So in that scenario, you're dissecting something alive, but the thing that's alive certainly would hold the key to immunity. Whereas if they're just dead or just something which we don't want to be, then they're not that useful. And also, you can dissect yeah. them. But I think she was someone like trying to figure out the morality or the ethics of the situation. Oh, I felt like she didn't give a, a shit. Bit. You don't think she get? I not that she didn't give a shit, well, but I felt like she was she was the person because even that. Even that moment with the pram, and the sergeant yeah. is like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "She has to see. She has to see." And it's like, "This is the most high risk situation you are in." And I understand that there's this concept of scientific exploration, and you are driven by mm. your desire to succeed. But yeah. I wrote down. She said something about in that moment. She said something about collect. I was collecting data, and I just wrote down. The data is no good if you're dead. And I was like, "You, why would you risk? I just felt like she had become a person who was so driven by her desire to find the answer and succeed that she became a high-risk person. Yeah. So on that note, let's talk about Dr. Caldwell, actually, because... Because I, I had, I mean, she was harsh. She was definitely harsh and she was hardened and she was doing a job, even though it involved something which was kind of horrific and disgusting, which is dissecting, putting down children and dissecting mm. them. But you're saying your impression of her is that she didn't give a shit about them, that she was possibly a villain character. Did you think that she, she was a villain? Yeah, I think, you she, think that she, I think she was set up a little bit to be a little bit of a villain because like you had the sergeant had a very yeah. clear redemption arc Miss Justino was very clearly mm-hmm. the hero um, Melanie was a combination of the um, the damsel in distress but also the kind of dangerous weapon and then Caldwell yeah. was yeah I just felt I, I think you're right she just had this harshness and I so I think like me saying she didn't give a shit is probably too much it was more just a case of like, she was like, it's the same way all the military people were behaving towards the children. She's like, these are not children. And even if they are children, right. she's like, 
everybody in the world is going to die. And do we, like me having to do this right now, yeah, maybe it's not the best thing. Maybe it's not the ideal thing. But it's either this kid dies or everyone in the world dies. And that's the choice I'm willing to make. She has to make it. Did you think that she and her and her um, lab assistants or whoever they were were um, good, ref, ref, refreshing representations of scientists on film? Did you like their representation? I think. Well, of, actually, that's weird, uh, right? Isn't it? Because the when you think about it, the um, she had the there was the one assistant, and then wasn't that the same person who took over the class in the beginning and was just doing like the chemical table? Yeah. And she was a right bitch. I finished my regression analysis. <laughs> it's <was> like. <laughs> <laughs> so she was also a very kind of harsh, unfeeling character that came across. And I think. I don't I don't know if they would be because I, I haven't. I mean, you've worked with animals before, so I don't yeah. know in terms of like ethics and that kind of a way. Um, I'm not sure if yeah. they're the way that they come across is is that how people who would work with that kind of ethics and working with humans and animals behave yeah yeah all all sorts yeah. all sorts you see people that are like completely very harsh and and say no, no don't don't treat it like a pet it's not a pet yeah. you know or there are all sorts of people people that are more compassionate and will go through length to to do little things for the animals and then people that are like no this is for science this is this thing like you just have to do your job as good as possible and that also means anesthetize correctly euthanize correctly and humanely and those things are really important but I'm doing it more mechanically and this is my job and I don't think there's a better approach than any other approach I think if if something is a subject and you're studying it scientifically then you have to treat it like a subject and you have to uh, like treat it as humanely as possible Mm but there's no need to have an emotional bond. I don't think that's healthy yeah. either, um, especially if it's not of your species. Well, it's different. When the, when something is so close to human, you have to actually start to think that maybe they do need to feel loved as well. It's like even even though they're going to die, Yeah. right? Like, for example, with rats, this is really interesting because rats are more intelligent than mice. And we are taught that you should treat, you should stroke them. Oh. You should coo, coo to them. You you should like, because they re- respond to that and they'll feel safe. There's no reason why they shouldn't feel safe even if you're going to put them down. Okay. Um, whereas mice are always afraid of humans. So you don't coo to mice and you don't spend too much time touching or cuddling mice because it will terrify oh. them. So we don't want to project too much on them. But I, I don't think... That's really interesting. There's... A, it is really interesting that um, I don't think there's in terms of like vets that work with animals, those people are amazingly humane, but their attitudes might not come across that yeah. way necessarily. They'd be more like they'll be like Dr. Caldwell, like very to the yeah. point, seemingly kind of harsh, but they're like to do their job and to do their job properly. Like it's it'd be much more like that. You wouldn't find somebody who's you know getting getting upset and emotional yeah. over it i don't I think. think you get people that are really matter of fact yeah. and it's very uncomfortable if you're not used I to it i think that they and, and it can be kind of uneasy. yeah and they did that character very well with her i felt i felt i i didn't need her to be emotional i think i would have been annoyed you if wouldn't she was be. emotional and they had they had miss just to know to do that they had miss just to know to have the emotional yeah. connection with the child 
but yeah if you had yeah. if you had Dr. Coldwin being conflicted it just would have kind of spoiled it so she was very harsh she was very straight I love Glenn Close I think she's wonderful yeah. um and yeah, I, but I did she was ha- feel ha- she was hardened as well. It was yeah, an awful situation. And, I, they were and in. I did feel that kind of. I felt that slight as the, as the events of the movie went on, as things became more and more intense, and things started to kind of fall apart. I think maybe she started to take bigger risks because, and that thing with the pram Desperate. where it was like, well, the base has been run over, the lab is gone, this is gone, this is gone, but I still need to know. This is new information mm. and I need to figure it out. So I think maybe she just got it way into her kind of like, I need to have my conclusion to understanding what is happening before I die kind of thing. And maybe that's why she started to seem a little bit riskier. Yeah, because she was dying. Mm. That move she'd do with the isoflurane, FYI, that would have been so much isoflurane. I mean, hailed. So she, I'm pretty sure that's what she filled in the room and they oh, all came okay. in and then just fell asleep immediately. Um, you have to be continuously breathing it in order to be under. That is a lot of mm. stuff. How did they evaporate that so quickly? I don't know. You have to put it in a, in a ventilator. <laughs> and I'm just thinking of how much... Anyway, it doesn't matter, <laughs> but that's a lot of drugs. That's a lot. And she would have had to pump it out. And oh my God. <laughs> And they wouldn't have been down for that long, maybe, maybe not. Maybe if the airlock is closed, that was pretty creepy. But she she definitely pulled some big villain mm. moves by the end of it, just knocking everyone out to like yeah. cut Melanie up. I mean, it was like clearly desperate. She wasn't she wasn't going to save humanity, but then again, do you blame her for trying? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like what else are you going to do on your last like day on yeah. Earth? Um, speaking of that environment, um, that they, that with the airlock, that military. <laughs> airlock drama. Mobile. <laughs> Airlock drama, fuck yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, Abby. Airlock drama, it's everywhere. I, I was like, we're not even in space, and it's we have an airlock know. drama scene. What? Did you close the airlock on Miss Justin? No. Airlock drama. Oh, okay. So that that mobile lab—that's the second environment mm. of science they get you. This awesome mobile laboratory. I did as much googling as I could muster, and nothing looks like that that's currently available let me tell you well i'm thinking it's like blood do donate like bands <laughs> pretty much it's actually what they look like they just look like trucks big trucks but because because actually with ebola <clears throat> the ebola outbreak um in africa and in, in it was a, in a few countries in africa they were driving <clears throat> driving across the continent and this was like a big issue not having like accurate like not having good mobile labs they had like their boxes on the back of like a pickup truck boxes and so so mobile lab was was invented it was made and and it it can have a biosafety level of two or three and it comes with almost 10 meters of lab bench space it's kind of like the size Mm. that one minus 80 degrees freezer so that has a dry ice in there Classic satellite communication, two generators that can run on dirty diesel fuel. That's common in African countries. It, you can traverse up unpaved muddy roads. It has a reinforced door and a security system to keep people out. It seems like similar like this. Its roof can be lowered by about 40 centimeters so that it can be carried in by a Hercules military plane. Oh, okay. Cool. So that's cool. It sounds like actually super – I couldn't see a picture. The picture on the article looked like a, just a, a big truck. 
but this looks this doesn't sound like that what they're describing sounds like in mm. this movie it sounds it sounds kind of exactly the same secure secure from people and secure from pathogens with all the bench space and all the technology that you need to carry out science it's cool yeah <clears throat> yeah i just wanted to look at that to see if it existed couldn't find a picture but that description kind of yeah. matches it but Anyway, yeah, this movie definitely has like a big theme of science where human humankind has been forced into a situation because of all these reasons and therefore the the survival of humanity really depends on science and scientific research. So that's definitely a big, big part of the whole story of the movie is we need science to save us. We need science to keep yes. going. Yeah, but um, as far as the science of the movie, the actual science... It's very true that they tried to make this movie based on real life science, which a couple of zombie movies before have done where they're like, okay, let's try to make zombies and see how it actually makes sense. So this movie tries to really, really make sense of zombies. And it gives us some science in the movie. Did you pick up on that? I... It went so... What are you eating? Shush. Wait, what are you eating? Okay, I'm having a donut. I'm having a breakfast. Chocolate? Oh, yeah, so I'm yeah, just, don't it. worry. I'm not going to eat on yeah, the microphone. Totally. I'm not. I'm not that person. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So what, my understanding was what, it yes. was a fungus. Um, a fungus and that a fungus that had adapted or existed in some way where it fed on meat. I guess it's a carnivore, carnivorous fungus. Ophio. <laughs> Ophiocordyceps unilaterally. Yes, okay. Please do explain Ophio- this to me because I was just like, it's a fungus that's eating meat. <laughs> oh, well, I don't mind if I do explain <laughs> it to you. <laughs> okay, it's a real fu- it's a real thing. Ophiocordyceps unilaterally. Okay. Sorry, I've interrupted you saying the it's name called, again. It's called... A zombie fungus actually is the nickname. Are you for real? Zombie fungus. Oh my god. Okay, so yes, it's a real thing. Okay, so this 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 guy, his name is, um, this guy. This is no no no. So this guy, his name is his. I'm going to tweet him. This guy is called. I hope I got this pronunciation right. Joao Arajo is. So he's actually a PhD candidate from the CDC, and he was the codicite at the codicite. Cordyceps expert on the movie. Oh. They had an expert on the movie, and he does actually study the zombie fungus. It's a real thing. It is found in tropical forests, and it does control the behavior of the host. Okay, oh. but but so it actually works on ants and insects. Okay. But on ants, what it does if the ant ha- like is infected with the fungus, it causes the ants to leave their nest. Well, first of all, it rapidly overcomes the immune system, spreads all over its body. And then after about two weeks of being infected, the ant will leave the nest and go up, start traveling mm. up to die. He bites a leaf or a twig and dies like that. Oh. So, and, and once it's dead, the stalks grow out the back of their heads. <gasps> and then because they've gone up to the understory, it drops the fungal spores down onto the colony below and the cycle can begin again. Shit. Oh, my God. It's real. That's really cool. And that's exactly what they show in the movie. That's so cool. I yes. love when a movie takes 
a concept of something and then it's like, you know, this is a real thing. And yeah, okay, fine. It doesn't happen in humans. But what if? That's one of my favorite things of the way that they do that in movies. Go on. I know. Funny you should say that. So in the movie, there's this whole mystery of like, why do they congregate together? And Melanie's like, this just to know, maybe they're lonely. (laughs) And it turns out that they are drawn together so that they can combine forces and make this massive structure. Cool. Which then grows sporungy. Is that what they call it? These pods filled with spores as high as possible, waiting for some kind of uh, natural event to happen, like a fire or a flood, Mm -hmm. to burst them open. So that they bring them all together, so the fungus grows out of them. And you see a lot of the uh, hungries are growing, are in various stages of this. They have some Mm -hmm. of the fungus on their faces. And they they congregate together to form a big structure where they can grow a tall, big fungus tree so the spores can be released from the top and have as far reach as possible when it finally does explode, right? It's It's, it's sort of similar. Is this why they're all gathered? Because that really confused me. I was like, why, when when they're walking through them, you know, there's so many of them just standing still. And I was like, why are they just... Like a huge amount of them just standing there, all very close to each other. Why is yeah, this random the, thing that they're doing? That makes more sense is now. Pulling with other fungus. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. So that's that's what happens in the movie. But okay, and you and you said a funny thing. What if it happened in humans? It happens in insects and spiders, and you'll say, "Look, it doesn't happen in humans." But like, I love that it's a real mm. thing. So okay. The zombie fungus does only happens to arthropods, insects, and spiders. So there isn't much chance that it can happen with humans. But this guy said, Araho said, that he wouldn't rule out that it might happen in a human species. Why Jesus. not, right? Like he, he says, quote, a viral bacterial fungal apocalypse sounds pretty reasonable to me. <laughs> he said. Okay, before, before I jump into the human thing, you, and you mentioned before that it makes you eat meat, it makes mm. you blood hungry. Because I thought about this as well, because I understand why it makes you bite. It's because it's spread through saliva and through blood. So then all the zombie people are drawn to other humans to bite them, to infect them. And then they all get infected and grow more spores and the cycle starts again. But I actually looked this up because I found there are... Things that you can be infected with that change your diet for crazy oh, okay. reasons. I have one example. Go on. It's called the Lone Star Tick. It turns you into a vegan. Ah! <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so they say. No, but <laughs> I didn't make it out. I swear to God. Is that what veganism is? Hey man, turn me into a vegan. I was like. Oh. Loved meat before and then, oh, just got a bit by a stick. <laughs> okay. It has a sugar molecule in it called alpha-gal. Alpha-gal. That's actually what it's called. Love it. Alpha-gal. <laughs> the tick gets the sugar molecule because they feast on mammals, so they have the molecule in them, right? So if you carry, if a tick carrying alpha-gal bites you, your body produces an antibody to fight that molecule. So basically it becomes allergic to meat because it has alpha-gal. 
Because the tick feasts on mammals. Mammals have alpha-gal. Meat has alpha-gal. Your body becomes allergic in order to try to fight oh. it while the tick's inside you. And a lot of and so you sort of develop an allergy to meat as the tick's inside you as your body is trying to do antibodies against alpha-gal. Then one day you have a hamburger and you have allergic reaction. Oh. That's the sign that you have a tick. Ticks are so hard to diagnose. Amazing. It's insane. That, that terrifies me. That scares me. Right. Ticks. Ticks are weird. But yeah, that, that's just an example of a thing which like changes your diet, although in this case it makes you vegan. Oh. But I would be thrilled if we had a, a zombie apocalypse, but it just made people eat like ravaged into capsules. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly all I want is a stuffed pepper. <laughs> just want that iceberg lettuce head. Where are the lentils? Where are the lentils? <laughs> made them a vegan. That would be better. Let's make that yeah. movie. All right. Before my next bit, you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Okay. I apologize in advance. Fungal infections in humans? Could it be? Actually, there is is a lot of truth to this. Maybe not now. The the, the zombie, I was going to say vegan, the the vegan fungi. The zombie fungi, maybe not now it, it will affect humans, but there is a lot of evidence to suggest that if not that fungus, fungal infection, but other fungal functions could eventually infect humans. Because, and this has been discovered with the, with the emergence of a fungal infection that has been found in humans across different parts of the world called Candida auris, mm-hmm. right? Which didn't exist before, and then all of a sudden, people around the world are getting infected with it, which has led to this crazy theory about fungus and humans. Oh my god! Okay, hold on to your Wait, chair. Wait, can I just? Are you ready? Before, okay, so before you go into that, <laughs> I just want to ask you. Yeah. Um, because yeah. you're saying about like, so is it that there's different types of fungal infections? Because don't we get like fungal infections in? Uh, it's uh, I hate saying this, but like in toes and Some. stuff like that, in nails. Yeah, and yeast and all the candy, candy. There's many different types of yeast infections. Oh, okay. Candida and all this kind of thing, but not necessarily deadly ones. Oh yeah, okay, and not of okay, this cool. kind of type. Right. I don't know so much about the. There's there are types of fungal infections that we yeah. get, for sure. That humans do get that are not particularly okay. dangerous. But we're but certainly you're, okay. not deadly. School me on a dangerous one then. But largely, <laughs> fungus leaves humans yeah. alone. Largely, fungus leaves humans okay. alone. Okay, because they are much more adapted to cooler temperatures oh, and we are yes, warm. Okay. That is the thing about, that is the reason. And people actually think that that is the reason why, why we had the age of mammals after the Jurassic era. Because after the asteroid came and destroyed uh, all the dinosaurs and we had the end of that reptile era, it's possible that there would have been another reptile era after that because reptiles are pretty, like, thrive much better. They, they need less food and they reproduce much more. Okay. Whereas humans, they need to eat constantly and we re- reproduce much slower and mammals also reproduce much slower. So why after the um, Jurassic era um, did mammals arise as the uh, – was it the age of mammals? Did they rule the earth? And, and people do – theorize that this was because of fungi 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 fungus fungi were and they can see that by looking at the um 
I'm getting my geology wrong, but looking at the like the sections of rock and stuff from that era are full of spores. And so there's a lot. And because there were cooler temperatures at that point as well, and the sun was covered up and all of that, it was a great time for fungi. Okay. Right. So the reason why reptiles didn't emerge again as um, for another reptile reptilian era is because they are much more susceptible to fungi. You keep saying fungi. Is so that there a, a lot of fungi? What, what fungi? Fungus. Fungi is just oh, plural. Fungi. Fung, fungi. <laughs> I I don't know fungi. I feel really uncomfortable saying fungi. I just I hurts. But like I think that's how you say it. So I'm gonna say fungi. I'm sorry. It sounds bad. It just sounds bad. But anyway. Fungi infection. It just obviously sounds like vagina yeah. and a fungus and an infection. I know. I'm sorry. It's just how you say it. Okay. Well, I would say it fungi. Reptiles. <laughs> so, but so, I don't need so to say this word, fungi. so you please do continue. He's a fungi. <laughs> so reptiles, they know that awful joke. Reptiles. Okay. So the reason why there wasn't a, sec- a second age of reptiles, which there should have been, after the dinosaurs is because they get a lot of fungal infections. Okay. And in fact, that is the reason why lizards sit on rocks for ages, uh, to put, sit on rocks, sit under the sun for ages to warm oh, up. Okay. You know how lizards do that? Because they're getting rid of fungus. Cool. If they sit for hours in a day, they heat their bodies up, it's enough to like get rid of the fungus. Fungus does not like warm temperatures. Mm. But... In general, they're more adapted to reptiles and to ants and to insects and things like that and not to humans. However, I don't know if you heard about this, but this thing is like called climate change and like the earth's kind of like warming. And like what that's kind of done is like the fungus is like adapting to warmer temperatures and like basically it's like it's moving into humans. Oh, shit. Oh, damn. Oh, guys. Oh, guys. I'm so basically, it's not far off. And look, I don't want to like scare anybody. Too late. I, I definitely scared myself during the research. Like I oh, scared God. myself. So this is this is after we are taking break from apocalypse movies after this. But anyway, so the science of this movie is actually great in terms of its mm. accuracy. It's it's not bullshit. It's not an unlikely way that the world might end yeah. fungal infections because because fungus uh, fungus are a whole thing and we're learning more and more about fungus fungi 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 somebody need we'll, we need to have that guy on the pod he'll he'll help us yeah. understand how to say all these <laughs> things but i mean fungus fungus is this thing that we are learning so much about yeah that i don't are you into uh, have you um, been on top of the whole um wood wide web science scientific discoveries with the fungus and the trees and all that stuff (laughs) no No? i am so into it and actually i've got two i'm reading two books at at the same time about this one is called well i've just finished the overstory by richard powers and the other one is called the hidden life of trees by some like german forester forest man by some yeah. German forest man. But he does trumpeting, trumpeting around the forest, like figuring stuff out. It's true. He's like this forest guy. Um, so, so the thing about this movie is that what it talks about with Melanie <clears throat> and the other Neonites is symbiosis. Yes. 
that what she thinks has what Dr. Caldwell thinks has happened is that the fungal infection ravaged the humans that it infected as adults. Mm. Sure. The neonides managed to develop a symbiosis with the fungus instead of being killed by yeah. it. <clears throat> and this is something we see in nature as yeah. well. Um, where fungus are able to form symbiotic relationships with things around them in a way which is just almost magical. It's mm-hmm. almost magical. And, and where this has been seen is in forest. So as I said, like for a long time, the f- fungi were seen as being harmful and parasitic and they caused disease and they caused dysfunction, right? But more recently that certain types of fungi can actually exist in symbiosis with plants. So they don't bring around infection, but connection, oh, okay. which is kind of what's happening with Melanie. This movie is very on point with the fact that fungi can be destructive, but also under the right conditions, form a symbiosis, okay? So, and this is a connection which is about 450 million years old, okay? That where some fungi in symbiosis can benefit from the association and vice versa. And what the fungi do is they send out these uh, fine, very fine fungal tubes. It's called hyphae, and they infiltrate the soil, and weave into the tips of the plant roots, the plant, and weave, so and infiltrate the soil and weave into the tips of plant roots at a cellular level. So the roots and the fungi <laughs> combine. <laughs> they combine and they grow together, and so individual plants actually join one another using the hyphal network, okay. which is why it's called the wood wide oh. web. So it's this complex structure that. Trees and plants can connect to one another and send messages to each other using the fungus, which is crazy. And in exchange, the fungi siphon off food from the trees. So they take the sugar from the trees that is produced during photosynthesis to feed on themselves. And then the plants also are in turn able to get nutrients from the fungi that the fungi get from the soil, like nitrogen and phosphorus with like because the trees don't have an enzyme that they can use to to process nitrogen and phosphorus but the fungi too the fun but the fungi but the fungi do but the fungi but the fungi have the enzyme um so food distribute sugar distribute nitrogen distribute phosphorus um but another thing is this is even more fascinating is that they use the network to send each other warnings if one plant is under an attack, it can indicate to another plant. I just burp, sorry. If if one plant is under attack, it can. I just burped again. Okay. <laughs> I'm burpy. If one plant is under an under attack, it can indicate to another plant or all the surrounding plants that it should raise a defensive response before the aphids even reach it. And, and this has been, people have collected samples of like enzymes or whatever it is that get released from the trees um, ages away from where the tree is that's been attacked. And this is done through the symbiotic uh, relationship with the fungus that allows them to use the fungus to send messages. It's oh, okay. magical. It's completely magical. So this movie shows us two different sides to... Um, fungus the destructive side and the symbiotic side and the symbiotic side is is over you know 
hundreds and millions of years of slow, slow evolution. Yes. Okay. And, yeah. That's, yeah, th- that's, that's really fire. interesting. It is really cool because I kind of like, it is, that's one of the things I liked about the movie actually because um, after I watched it, I wondered what people thought of it, right? And I went and I had a yeah. look at, um, I just, I'm just saying this now because you brought up the symbiosis and the evolution thing. And yeah, I, I ended up on Reddit and actually, yeah, did, I did. Yeah. Um, actually, by the time this episode <laughs> comes out, I think we should have our own subreddit up and running, hopefully for the movie. So we it'd be really cool if people like um, joined wow. in and we can have some more discussions and find out a bit more about what the science people think is cool and what they want to know about. Anyway, um, I ended up on a subreddit um, that was talking uh, where there was a thread talking about the girl with all the gifts. And somebody was saying that they had just they'd read the book and watched the movie and they were wondering what people's kind of thoughts were on if the hungries if the if the infection was actually occurred what would it be like against society and stuff and i kept seeing all these responses from everyone saying oh it would be the next stage in human evolution and i was like i massively disagree with this because um yeah i ended up actually commenting on it because you know i was like Hang on a second. I <laughs> did, yeah. girl. I did. Good for you, Abby. <laughs> yeah, I just, I found that a kind of confusing idea that everyone kind of got that. I was like, I don't see where you're coming from that this is the next stage in human evolution. It's evolution. It's just, it's not our evolution. It's the next stage in the evolution of this fungus. You know, especially after mm. what you've just described. And... Not it's humans. Fungus. Kind of mimicking right. to me the origins of our own evolution. Because when you okay. think way back to the development of cyanobacteria and you know, we had single cell organisms all over Earth way back when, when, you know, the Earth first formed and over time as it warmed up and water was on the surface and atmosphere was kinda there, but not really. And then what happened was there was these, you know, there's these organisms and they're basically like feeding off of each other. And one day, one cell (laughs) thing took another cell thing and instead of it like digesting, it stayed alive inside of it and it became a symbiotic relationship. And that symbiotic relationship turned into mitochondria. And mitochondria Mm. is the thing that we all survive on because that's the powerhouse. That's the thing that allows ourselves to take in um, food and like energy and and build. And it was all of this is what kind of led to then like cyanobacteria, which developed um, the ability to use photosynthesis. Sorry. Cyanobacteria then developed the ability to take the energy from the sun, release the oxygen. The development of that and the rise in the evolution of cyanobacteria allowed our planet to have an atmosphere, which allowed for more complex creatures oh, and allowed shit. for us to become <laughs> like hu- like humans and animals and everything that we all are and how we survive and the plant life, the abundance of plant life all over the planet... All exists because we have an atmosphere, which all exists because 
this bacteria figured out how to synthesize energy from the sun and it all exists because of this symbiotic relationship and I just thought it was really really cool and I was like this is an evolution story this is a symbiotic relationship this is a new being it's a new evolution but it is not the evolution of humanity it is the end of humanity and it is the beginning of something entirely new that's right it it might be the beginning of them symbiotic relationship between humans and fungus Mm. or mammals and fungus well maybe because the only thing i found curious it's wrapped around the brain of the humans and then how's that you know that's the my reasoning for believing but maybe it's different now that you've explained about a bit more about the fungus and stuff so maybe that changes my thought process because the reason i felt a bit confused about the idea that um i was like right this is the end of humanity because she's released the spores in releasing the spores everyone is now infected they're all humanity is done for um yeah but i read it that she you know she was like i need to eat like that's a whole part of the story she has to eat um what what is is she she eating what is she eating yes so what would she eat if everyone is have they not just destroyed their food source unless animals don't that's right become you know you can take it like okay well maybe if animals aren't infected and they can feed off animals and if they learn how to behave in a more kind of human way and control but they can't seem to control their eating it's a it's an immediate response you know she saw the cat and also she just went for it and like so i just kind of felt like it's the end of everything yeah that's right what did they eat I have, I have many questions about the feral children, by the way. What do they eat? Oh, my God. What do they eat? And also, and also, wait, I got to wait. It was, what do they, what do they eat? Well, they oh, eat man. Kieran. That's I what they eat. I forgot what I was going to, I just forgot. Is she going to eat? What was I going to say? What, what does she eat? Um. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What was I going to I was gonna. I was gonna say, what is what does she eat? But also, like, evolution takes a hundred million years, not like a month, whatever. So if if they're going to evolve to like eat something different, it's not going to happen in mm. a week, like before they starve. But also, like excretion, like how do they go to the toilet? I wasn't sure that there was a toilet in the cells. They're strapped to a wheelchair. Or do they do they have to go to the toilet? Like, oh, what's yeah. their exact? Like, do they? Uh, they must excrete, I guess. But I just wondered mm. about. I wrote down, where's the toilet? Uh, (laughs) Right at the beginning. But the wild kids, I have many questions mm -hmm. about them. Many questions. Like, so they were left as babies. They were babies when they were left. Is he still what the fuck? No. No, 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 no. no. Oh, okay. Well, I'm very happy to talk about them. What the, so no no I'm yeah. I'm definitely actually I'm gonna what the fuck talk about the babies and okay <clears throat> what I was gonna say something what what do they eat when they're oh, fuck what yeah do the okay. feral children so eat? that the was feral my question <clears throat> they eat Karen the feral children were pretty fantastic <clears throat> in there getting the prey but the fact I mean 
okay, so they've got this whole hierarchy and she's in, and Melanie's intelligent enough to understand what kind of a society they are and what she needs to do to make them scared. But yeah, they've destroyed all of the food and now what the fuck are they supposed yeah. to eat? And therefore that's the end. They'll eat Miss Just to Know. Well, yeah. the, well, this was my thing. I was just it's like, just this, is, this is yeah. like, it's supposed, my, my whole feeling in the end was right. This is an evolution story, but it's an evolution of a pathogen, not of humanity. The story is the end of humanity, but because of the way yes. the actions that Melanie has done, which I guess is the actions of the combination of the pathogen and humanity, that it's actually the destruction of everything. It's the end of everything because yeah. they don't have a food source anymore. So they're done for. That's it. They can't possibly survive unless they can control their eating habits and learn how to farm animals. And then it's just a case of restarting the humanity story, but with a different being. Mm. With a different being. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know if animals get infected the same as humans get infected. Yeah. Yeah, I they guess. didn't show maybe that can, at all. Maybe we, so. can give, we can give them that. There seem to be animals everywhere, but eventually you eat all the fucking exactly. animals. And animals figure out not to come by. But those feral children, so I, I'm getting a sense about yeah. the way you're feeling about the yeah. feral children, that it wasn't a good feeling. No, it was not. Because <laughs> <laughs> it added an extra story mm. to the thing. Like you think that just it was like an extra, here's this storyline. Feral children. I just, yeah, it just, I was like, oh, here we go. It's Lord of the Ring, Lord of the Flies. Sorry. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> Lord of the Flies. They've all learned how to do some sort of language. I have no idea how they ever even got to each other. I, just, I don't know if me talking about this is going to... I wonder if I should wait until you do your what the fuck. Yeah, I'll yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, let's what, the, let's what the fuck. There are a couple of tidbits as well, little science tidbits in the movie. Just want to give a nod. Okay, because I really like a movie that gives you that technical detail. Mm. Just chuck it in there. For example, soft bullets. What soft bullets? Why are they soft? Well, they're soft because they're hollow at the tip so that when they go into the body, they come apart inside the body and they don't go out the other side. And that reduces the amount of blood spatter so that it it spreads less infections. They invented a special bullet just for zombies. Well, no, no, hollow tips are, they do exist, don't they? Hollow tips. Well, hollow yeah, I guess and if they, you're saying that, then... <laughs> I think they do because I think they're known as, like, they're Soft one of the bullet. most... That makes... In, that's an interesting point if that's a thing that they... Um, that they have less blood yeah. splatter because my understanding of them is that they cause the most destruction on the inside because they come apart on the inside. That they're the, they're the most yeah. dangerous and destructive bullets to, to the human body. But I suppose if you're trying to take down zombies, then it's a good thing. Yeah, it smushes a, a hollow point bullet is an expanding bullet used for controlled penetration. Where over penetration, stop saying penetration, could cause collateral damage in the target shooting. You're the one saying yeah, it. So in this one, it, it causes a lot of destruction. But um, in the movie, they want to have us believe that it, that it causes, it might come apart in the body, the bits mm. come apart. But it leaves less spatter so that you can't... Um, that's yeah, yeah. So that's, no, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a small lump of metal. It, it's really, really, really fast. And it, it should, like, if it's because it's hollow, it, it just bends. It's it's smashed out of shape as soon as it penetrates mm-hmm. and pushes into the flesh. That's what it's designed to do. 
So it is a real thing. Mm. Cool. It, I guess it makes sense. It, and the force of it pushes the lead outward from the center of the bullet. So it actually looks like a little bit of a mushroom. And anyway, that cool. Good for good for it. <laughs> good for it. And the other science thing that they had with a uh, which was e blocker gel, which was a hand, hand sanitizer. It was like reverse hand sanitizer. Yeah. I did have questions about the yeah. blocker gel though. Yeah, go. No, I just wondered what about it because I was of? like, okay, cool. They're covering themselves in it, but like, right? They're also wearing a lot of clothing and running around really disheveled. They stink. Yeah, surely they like you know. Surely they've been sweating and you know. So unless they're stripping all their clothes off, covering their entire body with this e-blocker gel, covering all their clothes with the e-blocker gel, washing their clothes like obsessively in some big antibacterial <laughs> shit, then they are not walking through that crowd of zombies without them without being smelled. They stink. Yeah. They must do. They they this is um uh, in in the Walking Dead they cover themselves with they realize zombie zombie guts mm. disguise human smell so they they like string zombie guts all over them yeah. and like smush their faces with zombie guts and so that disguises the human smell i believe that a little bit more yeah but um it's definitely a classic walking through quiet zombies and the zombies are going eh, eh. i like the way the zombies are standing around <laughs> i really like zombies i don't know man it's just so much opportunity in in the zombies oh, i worry for you I like zombies. I like. <laughs> don't worry me. A lot of people like zombies. I do, especially extra okay. like zombies. Oh, I don't know, man. It's just like they're just funny. Okay. Science monsters. <laughs> All right. Well, I think is there any other bits of bits of this movie? Like, I feel like we there's a lot of science in there, and I am fucking done with pandemics yes. for yes, ages, Abby. No. For yeah. ages. We are going to do, like, I'm done. That's it. No more pandemics. <laughs> so I think that brings us into our final bit. Everybody's favorite as, what? Well, it's what the fuck. Yes. Okay, just play the music. <laughs> what the fuck? What the, what the fuck? What the fuck? Abby, you're going to go first for this one. Okay. What was your moment in the movie which made you go, oh, what the shit? Right. I can't remember characters' names, right? But you know the um when the okay. when the place is being overrun. Okay. And they're dragging yeah. out Miss Justino, the soldiers, and Melanie Miss, Miss Justino and Melanie comes out and she sees Miss Justino on the ground and she sees the guy soldier trying to like drag <laughs> Miss Justino and he hits her for some reason. I'm not really sure why they're fighting each other when there's like zombies coming in from everywhere and eating everyone. And yeah. the two soldiers, um, that they're the two that have been coming into Melanie's cell together for, you know, transport, transport, uh, transportation, transportation. And um, I can't remember which one it is, sorry. Um, but they've been coming in. They've got their guns up. They're staring at her. They freak each other out. They, they don't show any emotional connection to her. They don't show any... The guy mildly does. Like, yeah, they when they come in, they're like, they're very harsh towards her, you know? They're yes. not, yeah, very. they don't see, like, she always does that thing where she's like, good morning, good morning. And they just kind of ignore her. They don't show good any morning. 
like as if they have any softness towards her right and so so yeah you've got the two gu- the two guards they've no softness towards her you've got Miss Justino on the ground you've got Melanie comes out Melanie has an obsession with Miss Justino so she wants to save her so she runs towards Miss Justino and she jumps on the dude soldier and starts eating his neck <laughs> And the woman soldier stands there with her gun and stares. And at no point does she just shoot. And I'm like, okay, hang on. But huh. you know that as soon as he's bit, he's dead. So you're not not shooting because you're worried about hitting him because you know it's too late for him. Why aren't you That's shooting right. her? <clears throat> you're shooting everything else. Why are you hesitant? I just, I honestly was just like, why didn't she just shoot the fucking kid? As soon as he jumped on, as soon as she jumped on him, I know for the point of the story, like, obviously, you don't want that to happen. But I just, I didn't believe yeah. that she wouldn't have just shot her straight out. It drove me crazy. Yeah. I was like, just fucking shoot her. Yeah. <laughs> she's standing there sort of terrified, I guess. But there's zombies everywhere. She's trained the, for sim- she's shooting simil- everyone. She's shown no emotional connection or no softness whatsoever towards any of these kids. She's shooting everything else. Why I just I'm watching the scene. I'm watching it. I okay. want to see. Watch I just it, put it, it up. I have to watch this. <laughs> so you go. The car comes. He, she's running. What does she see? He hits Miss Justin. Oh fuck! Why does he do that? Yeah, it's weird, she, right? She just runs. Oh, do you know what it what? is? Yeah, yeah. She's like, eh, I can't see where to aim. The answer is just kill both of them. Like, and then she puts her gun down, and then goes, and then Melanie yeah. jumps on her. It's yeah. Bonkers. And then the guy's just dying out. I agree. She's just like, eh, where do eh. I shoot? It's like, what do you know mean, where do you shoot? She's bitten him. He's gone. You know this. You're trained for this. Like, what? And then she takes she takes a big old bite. She sits and chills and just swallows. And she's like, oh, man, I'm, yeah. I'm full. Oh, <laughs> how I feel after I've had pizza. Fed. I'm just, mm. I love the way she lies down and goes to sleep. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay, this is what I think about that. This is what I think about that. Yeah, you ready? This is like the one at a time attacks yes. in movies when there's a villain in the middle and there's people around him and everyone can only attack one at a time for the purpose of making a movie. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just terrible and it makes no sense. That's yeah. all. It's like some of them like Batman. It's Batman is it depends which which Batman, but I only fight one yeah. at a time. I fight each one of you. <laughs> um, some movies is just terrible and some movies like Kill Bill yeah. is awesome. And this one, it's yeah, yeah it's just terrible. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was my what the fuck. That was just that. It was like, and to be fair, I didn't have too many in the sh- in throughout watching it actually. Like, but that was just the first one where I just was like, oh my god, yeah. why? You know, like ah, the so bad choreography. What was your what the fuck? Yeah, zombie fucking babies, <laughs> zombie babies, <laughs> zombie babies. Because the zombie babies is always like a question. You're like zombie babies. <laughs> You just wonder. And Dawn of Dawn of the Dead, the new one, does give a zombie baby. Mm. Zombie babies are always a thing where you're like, what about zombie babies? <laughs> so this movie tells us, first of all, do they have teeth? They ate their way out of the mother's womb, so they're yeah. the zombie babies. Do they have teeth? Whatever. Oh, there was, yeah. Okay, who cares? So zombie babies. So they've taken the zombie babies and they've raised the zombie babies. Fine. The zombie babies that weren't raised, um... Why did they not just die? Right? Maybe they had dead maybe mothers. Maybe they grew for a while inside the body, kept growing. <sighs> I don't know. But then the mother's Shut infected, your the mother's mouth. dead. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> what? Shut up. 
Oh God, you're right. You answered the question. No, no, I, because I, the mother's I, been I, infected, so the mother's dead, and they don't eat dead. They don't eat the other zombies. That's right. <laughs> it makes no. Oh my God, this they... makes no sense. You've ruined the whole movie. <laughs> Unless the placenta. Yeah. No. Unless they had some weird, maybe it's exclusive with the mother or yeah. something like that. Because she would have been infected in one event and then the pregnancy continues. I think to me, zombie, it was just zombie yeah. babies. Zombie babies, zombie babies raising oh. themselves on the streets. But in general, zombie babies. Look, what do we do about the zombie I baby? I have to admit, <laughs> the feral fucking children, the, the two scenes with the feral children just ruined the whole movie for me. <laughs> I was so annoyed at um, them. <laughs> They hollowed Kieran no, out. The Kieran, the actual out. Kieran death scene was pretty good. I was like, "Oh, this is gross," and poor Kieran. But like, he should have exploded the grenade. Yeah, good why idea. didn't he explode didn't the grenade? Execute. Like you, you threatened Would it. You? I was I like, know. "Oh, I can either pull the pin and die immediately by gun blast, or I can just lie here and allow these tiny zombie children to eat my body <laughs> while I slowly die in agonizing pain." Because they built him up to be a bit of a bit of a yeah. doofus, you know. Oh, but like he, he was, was right there. I was like, just That's pull fine. the pin. But they couldn't do that because they would have killed the yeah. zombie babies, and they needed the zombie babies. So it's not this movie isn't brilliant. Yeah. It's just it's no. Just, I just I was solid. into it, That's and it. the thing is, I wasn't even really against them. Uh, what I was against was it was like you had everything was going really well, and then you just suddenly it was like, oh, it's Lord of the Flies. They've got paint across their faces. They're like little cavemen. <laughs> they're making, they're speaking with, you know, some tribal vocalizations. And that scene, the thing is, you said something earlier, which makes me think you really enjoyed that scene. But I, oh, that I love scene that scene with Melanie and the kids, I was like, this is You're scared painful. of me. Look at me. Don't look at them. I thought, it, I found I it painful. I liked it. She's awesome. No, wow. I fa- wow. I was just like, this agree. is so ham right now. We don't now. agree. This is like ridiculous. It was and- good. She's cool. I liked yeah. it. I didn't care what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, this like just the shadow. Like, rah, rah, rah. I was like, oh, stop it, stop it. And then she was getting. End, to be honest with you, oh. I have to say as a follow on from that, that the ending scene just fucked okay. me off. So in the end, she sets fire to the big fungus tree. No, not that scene. And explodes all the pods. Yeah. I know, I'm just leading up to it. I know, Abby. <laughs> God, go, oh, God, go watch the movie for Explodes all the pods. The pods explode and then everything is infected. And then we cut to the final scene of the movie where Miss Justin now is teaching all the kids <laughs> from the safety of her airlock. And, and there's feral children and red pajama children combined and Melanie is the leader mm. of the pack and she's basically keeping the feral children in line and she's reading them stories and Melanie's in the yeah. box. No, just knows in the um, box, yeah. At the end of the movie. Just to know is in the... Sorry. Oh God. Melanie starts off in a box. Just to know ends yeah. with a box. There's Schrodinger's box and there's Pandora's I box. Just... Four boxes. Rate them from <laughs> one to four. Who's your favorite box I think... of the movie? I think the problem for me with the end was that final scene. Well, I I think I would have liked it more if it had ended. You know, there's just just before the final scene, there's the Melanie gets to the airlock. And there's just that moment of Melanie and it's just no on either side of the airlock. I would have enjoyed if it had just ended there. 
But then okay. having that scene with but the classroom did. thing, I just it mm. it just brought too many questions up for me because I was like, if it had just ended there, you could just your own mind can go like, oh, I wonder what happened next. Yeah. But with that scene, I, I was just went, oh, wait, I okay, what's Miss Justineau eating? How is she surviving? How are they getting her yes, food? that was my question What's going to happen Thank when you. the kids are realize that they don't have any food? Are they just going to overrun the airlock somehow? Because yeah. I just, Melody, and what, yeah. like, what's the point? How are the, how are they teaching the feral yeah. kids to learn totally. to speak? How are they, how are they making the feral kids sit down? Because they're not understanding. I mm, too many questions. Too many questions. Too many questions. Yeah, I was like imagining how they pass canned food yeah. to her through. Well, do they? It's just it's impossible. The airlock. But then, I guess they use the airlock. They put little canned food. The airlock gets rid of any air. Oh, very risky. Right. Very risky. I was imagining them her like covering it with hand sanitizer yeah. or something. Like, what is she eating? Were well, they passing her food? Exactly. I just. I know. It, I it, felt like it was it's unnecessary. A bit Im- it's too implausible. For a movie which was so plausible, yeah. it then becomes so implausible. And uh, that that's I think we're just, we talked this in the very first episode when we talked about why we started this podcast. I was complaining about how, you know, movies that give too much detail and then not enough detail and like not knowing where the where where they are going to lie creatively mm. and the thing about this movie is that it wants to be plausible it wants to be scientific but then when it's convenient it just is like eh, yeah whatever somehow whereas instead of just like we're not explaining any of this but we have an explanation we just didn't feel like it was necessary it's um it's tempting me as someone who likes all the explanations to try to figure out how they would have done that and then I'm at a loss I can't figure out how any of that makes sense the babies I can't figure out how would they have survived (laughs) I get it if there were facilities around the world like raising babies and then they all stormed everything and like overtook it together in a coordinated fashion but like how did the babies raise themselves? I'm sorry. That was stupid. And why did they have paint? Okay, now that we're talking about it, it is more, it's getting more and more fucking stupid. <laughs> they have paint in their face. And I love that they're in a library and they have like... A baseball bat, which yeah, is like, it's, it's it the is caveman stupid. club, you know? Okay, the sack fine. and the wild I, hair I and the white it. paint and the caveman's club. <laughs> That's what they're doing. You have convinced me. <laughs> this movie has got is yeah. I just well, I, I could have okay. just done without the you feral will. children. I just felt it was unnecessary. They yeah. didn't need to be there, even if they yeah. wanted to keep that final scene. They could have kept the final scene without the feral children. Do you know what I totally. mean? Totally, it was unnecessary. This is this is like that that movie Us, the Jordan Peele movie Us, with like the the doubles the basement. I've never on seen the ground, that. and then everyone has a double. But yeah. it's the same thing where, like, it, it sort of just, it, it goes, like, eh. it, like, takes you along up for a while, and then suddenly it's like, forget oh, okay. it, this. <laughs> and that's, I don't, I don't like yeah. that. Some people don't mind that. I don't like it when you're in an explainy movie and then it just decides yeah. to say, fuck it. Um, all right. I think that I like disagreeing with you on yeah. movies. It's well, it's fun. because we've both and got this very case, different. you're kind like I think it's cool. Yeah. Like you think about movies in a different way. You like different types of movies to me, and we don't have to always agree on movies. So, yeah, it's weird that we're both female and yet we're both different. <gasps> Which brings us to our first part of the final verdicts. 
Sorry, that was beautiful. Did it. I'll let you stop laughing. <laughs> no, go on. I don't segue often, but when I do. <laughs> go on. Abby, did it pass the Bechdel it test? It did. It did. It actually did. Finally. (laughs) It's been so long. I have a quote. An interview with Colin McCarthy. Awesome. The question, was it a conscious decision to have a number of central, strong women roles in the movie? Yes. We wanted to, to develop... Yes, we wanted to develop a story that started with strong female characters who aren't defined by their male relationships. Both Mike and I have teenage daughters. We thought about how pathetic the Bechdel test is. Yes. That's the standard. Yeah. Two women have talked to each other about men. Fuck that That's shit. my problem with they it as well. Ju- it I was- feel like as we move on, we need to develop our own versions of the Bechdel test. And it's happened in many places. Like I said, yeah. the um, the Guilty Feminist podcast, one of my favorite, absolute favorite podcasts, They when they talk mm-hmm. about the Bechdel test... They mention it, they extend it slightly more where it's like, oh, they have to speak for at least a minute, you know, or they have to this, they have okay. to that. Like, and that's, that's what I mean. I feel like just having it as just two women who ha- exchange a couple of sentences that aren't about a man and that they have to have names. It's okay. so minimal. We definitely need to expand uh, on uh, it. I have my own. I've oh, developed my Wonderful. own rule. I just cited. Now, yeah. Could it be played by a man? Could that character be you, – you replace most of the dialogue, apart from the dialogue is specific mm. to, like, her vagina. Okay, fine. Sorry, I will say that again. I keep saying that. If I'm trying to be, like, funny about – okay. Could she be – okay. If her dialogue – if the parts of her dialogue relate to her being a female, fine. Not about that. But if you took that entire character and you had a man play it, would it, would it be reasonable? And if the answer is yes, then I would say that passes a serious yes. test for me. yeah. Whether or not it's past the Bechdel or my Bechdel test, because in this movie, they were just people that were scientific and, or like, or, or, yeah, think, anyway, in this in this movie, they're yeah. just people, and even their clothing, I think, yeah, is and not I think different. you're right because I think all of them, their clothing, even the Miss Justino character could have been a man. Absolutely, there are many movies about nurturing teachers where the teachers yeah. are played by men. Uh, that's not; it doesn't need yeah. to be a woman. I agree with you, and I but, like that version. Yeah, clothing. Can I bring up another test? Actually, that I've been, I've been, I've thought yeah, about on. it a lot, about mentioning it a lot, and I've never actually um, brought it up yet. Okay. Yeah. So there's this other test, and we've just not had really kind of opportunity for me to bring it up, but I have been wanting to bring it up for a while, and I think because of Melanie, I would like yep. to bring this up here because. It's something that happened, I think, back in like 2016, and it's related to um, Ava DuVernay, who is a black director, female director, who directed the movie Selma. And what happened was at the Sundance Film Festival back in 2016, there was a New York Times critic there named uh, Manola Dargis, and that Manola felt that the Sundance Festival that year particularly had continued to, uh, quote, push against the mainstream tide through some of its selections and through that they presented this idea of developing the DuVernay test and the DuVernay test is basically the Bechdel test but for holding a similar standard for people of color and how they're portrayed on screen Mm -hmm. and yeah the main concept of it is that sorry one second Good. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Sorry, too much. Too much article. Fuck. 
For what? Oh, Jesus Christ. Why didn't I just find where I had written down the notes about it for the moment when I would get to say it? <laughs> um... Sorry. Take your time. Oh, for fuck's sake, this article is just telling me what the Bechdel test is. Oh, cool. Okay, so, uh, so basically the idea is that it would be kind of similar to the Bechdel test but the idea behind the DuVernay test would be that um, the characters portrayed by black people and other minorities would have fully realised lives rather than serve as scenery in white stories is the way that um, Mm -hmm. the film critic uh, coined the term and I just think it's really cool because it's just this idea and I feel like it does kind of resonate in this movie because Melanie's character is entirely her own and it has absolutely nothing to do with race whatsoever. So I would just like to mention the DuVernay test and I feel that that's a nice little... So I'm not... uh, Yeah, I don't know if it's something that will come up every week depending on the movies that we pick because it's, you know, it's taken many years for the Bechdel test to take hold and um, definitely we are at the dawning of movie cinema where the DuVernay test can start to like really come into place and yeah. be played but I just think that um, this movie does pass the DuVernay test as well and that's kind of cool yeah and actually I, I did read from Colin McCarthy I heard in a in a um, featurette about the making of the movie that he did write Melanie that nothing about her what she looked like mm. at all so that they could cast anybody whoever was best for the job. So it seems like these directors, they are two white men, but it doesn't mean that they can't um, be forward-thinking in terms of making sure that they do um, not represent those groups of people in that way, which is actually it's kind of old-fashioned yep. and dated. We don't need to be doing that anymore. That's something movies did for us. That's not real life yeah. where women have to be dressed differently than the men in a uh, in a pandemic or um, whether or not black people have to play certain types of characters that are just like sidekicks. That's Movies have done that to us. That's not real life. So, um, But it seems like these, these filmmakers are people that they're interested in, in being a bit more modern, a bit more progressive about the way they tell stories, which it resonates more naturally with us. And um, I really like specifically um, the clothing, the way the yes. women were dressed. I just appreciate yeah. that a lot. I really, I don't like needless, like, I don't care how people want to dress. You can dress however you want. Your body, your show as much skin. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But just in movies when they deliberately, like especially in a pandemic, dress women so differently and like have them um, wearing like a, a tank top that's tight so you can see their boobs and all this kind of like weird. It's like yeah, enough already. Like just what would you wear? You would be wearing gross army yeah. fatigues like and like gross jumpers and they were totally look like the way that you would look if you were living underground for 10 yeah, years and they were in britain it's not like it was warm and it was and it was <laughs> britain and they didn't have makeup all yes. right next question did it pass the here comes the science a yeah i think test. it did from from what you've described about in terms of like the the basis of the science totally they did have that moment yeah, all right the, you know the classic <laughs> moment where we're going to explain it to you now but it yes, didn't that's right 
come off in the way it normally does. It actually came quite mm. natural. It came a little bit more. I was like, okay, well, you do need to explain this right now. Um, Melanie doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, it wasn't so. set up like, we've created this character who doesn't know what's going on just so that you can explain what's going on. It was it was in conversation and it was a bit more natural. So yeah. So I think it did for me. How do you feel yeah. about it? Yeah. Yeah, we had a movie with a here comes the science moment and it was a good moment and bonus points that the science was like yeah. fun to look into and 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 totally um it tracks and it's not unlikely <laughs> and zombie ants, yeah. Final verdict, um, out of five stars, what do we give it? Five zombie limbs. Abby, um, you go first. <laughs> I'll give it I'm trying to remember because remember I like screwed up my my stuff and then I had to restart my my um mm, I really yeah, need to keep like a chart or something of what I'm giving to movies I agree I was I was just thinking that myself um, too. so yeah I think I'll go with the similar I think about a similar rating to what I gave sunshine I can't really remember mm-hmm. what I gave sunshine which is terrible um I'm going to give it 3.9 zombie limbs that's high. Yeah. That's good. I was definitely going to do somewhere between three and four. In terms of science content, I, I really enjoyed it. In terms of the Bechdel test, I really appreciated mm. it. <clears throat> it, was, it. It wasn't a movie that blew me away, you know, yeah. but it wasn't there to do that. It was like a solid, great zombie yeah. movie, and I enjoyed it a lot. And I'm going to do 3.6, cool. I think. That's what I'll give it. I can't believe I gave um, it higher than you did. <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah, I was I was yeah. gonna give it over three point five, and mm. I definitely I just want to save my high one. I think for, I yeah, I did um, just really appreciate it as it a good. new take on a zombie movie. Definitely, it went somewhere I didn't expect yeah, it to go, definitely. and I appreciated that. But I have yeah. to knock points off for the feral yeah. children because it was too painful. It <sighs> didn't make me cry, but it made me smile, Aww. and it, it excited me. <laughs> but uh, I like when a movie makes me fucking cry okay like in moon and stuff like that i really don't like when a movie makes me cry that i do i do like a movie i like i like to be my face to feel like it's coming off all right okay you know you know what i mean you know when you're feeling emotion your face just like radiates and you're just like that's very sweet i can tell you right now that the next one is not going to do that for you (laughs) well that was going to be my question abby because That was my pandemic movie choice. This is my second pandemic movie choice in a row, and that'll be my last forever. <laughs> and and that was because we were in space like too many in a row. But aliens, aliens, space, space, space. It's all an accident because genres they cross yeah. over. It's an accident. It's our first zombie movie coming four weeks after our first a time travel movie. Both mm. happen to be pandemics, but <laughs> I've had enough because I don't want to really think about it. But Abby. I've been rabbiting on. Tell us what is the next movie choice. Go. So, there's been something I've been wanting to do for a while. And I'm... Okay. It's something that... This is going to be the first of many. Okay. I'm going to bring you on a journey. And I'm very excited to bring you on a journey. Frida has her head in her hands. (laughs) I think she knows what's coming. We are going to take a step through the world of superheroes, comics, it's Marvel, MCU. We're starting at the start. We're going right back to the beginning. First one, Captain America, the first Avenger. Isn't the first one X-Men 1? No, fuck X-Men. The movie. 
<laughs> I'm going with a really specific thread, you right? <laughs> Please no, get No, I'm going with a specific oh. thread. I'm going with a specific... No. It's unlikely that I will make us do every single Marvel movie, but I will definitely make us do every Marvel movie that has a strong science basis to it. There's always a scientist. There's always a science reason that the superpowers have occurred. Um, And this one is like First Avenger. We're back in the 40s. It's the start of the story. It's the birth of Steve Rogers. It's Nazi scientists. It's super soldier serum. Steve Rogers. I'm ready for it. You know it. what? I've held out for Marvel until Have you this not point. watched Marvel? I haven't I have not watched <gasps> a single Marvel. I watched X Men one, two, and three. I watched the Spider Man one, two, and three with nope. Tobey Maguire and all that. Like that's what I've done. I enjoyed that. Nope. I I haven't watched any of them. I'm completely out of it. I have Look, no idea about it. I might at some it. point do an offshoot so. to X Men or to um or to the original no, Spider-Man, okay. don't have to just in terms of like maybe some origin stuff. But right now, and, and of course there's DCU as well. To. I'm not ignoring DC Universe. But right now I am sticking. I am a Marvel, Marvel lady, 100%. No, I'm ignoring. So I'm sticking with Marvel and I'm starting with the, the thread that Marvel presented to us, which is why we're starting with Captain America, because it's not the first movie made, but it's the first in the story. So... Oh, shit. It's okay. okay. It's not going to be every one of my movie choices. I will have other ones. But every time we come around to this movie slot for the blockbuster, we're doing Marvel, man. I'll tell you what, this is going to score some points with the husband. (laughs) I know I'm not married, but with the the man, Seven. I'm very excited for you to experience this because, look, it's going to be fun because we get to look at it from a more fantastical point of view. But, okay. like, I mean, okay. look, we know that these these things occurred, you know. There was a lot of exploration going on in science in during um, during right. World War II. And, and, the, and the U.S. service. We'll save it. Yeah, so there's stuff there that is fun. Save yeah. it for two Plus, weeks. Frida, it's All Stanley right. Tucci as the scientist. Oh, Stanley Tucci's done a bunch of shit, though, recently, I have I to say. Stanley Tucci, Tucci so I love, but he's doing a few shitty right. movies. In my head, Marvel movies are all like four hours long as well. They're all very wow. long. They're all no. long. No? Okay, fine. All right. So now we know what the next movie title is, Captain America. That'll be in two weeks' time. Next week, Slashes. Yes. Is that yes. right? Um, oh, Jesus. What one are we on? <laughs> time travel. Oh, my God. Yeah, travel. Um, it hurts. Uh, Titanic. Geostorm. Scream. Girl gives cabin in the woods. It's cabin in the cabin woods. In the woods. <laughs> cabin in the woods. Cabin in the woods. Cabin in the woods. Next week, join us for Cabin mm. in the Woods. Two out of four of our slasher miniseries. If you want to join us in, if you want to join us in two weeks' time, please do. Also, please, 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 but please give us a rating if you have time and subscribe to the podcast on whatever your chosen player is. Okay. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in contact, email us, scienceatthemovies at gmail.com. Catch us on Instagram at scienceatthemovies and our Twitter account now, which is movies underscore science. Tweet at us. Tell us your what the fucks. Tell us what you thought about this movie or any other movie. We want to start a dialogue with you. And of course, our Reddit will be up and running by that point. Although I don't know details about that, but 
Abby will announce. Yeah, it. I think I think it'll just She's... be named Science at the Movies. I'm pretty sure. So, Science at the Movies. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Woo. See you next time. Bye. Fucking Marvel. Shit. <laughs>